to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from DraftKings Studios, with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, DFSers, another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Morganoni, and this week, I have a special guest with me. I would call him my boss. I would call him my friend. And soon, my fellow Arizonan, Jason oh, Moore. So that means soon, your foe. Because we'll be playing foosball and maybe pick, pickleball, and you'll just, you'll be embarrassed. You'll be sad. And you'll be like, I hate that guy. He's so good at everything. But uh, I'm happy to be here. So basically, you just want me there so that you can kind of establish dominance even more over my life? That is exactly right. We are looking to amass a staff of hundreds just just so I can clown on them fools. I know you get to do that with Jeremy and Brooks, but I actually feel pretty confident. We played each other in a couple of things before, but I feel pretty good, especially about pickleball. Okay, okay. Well, I will say this. You have the athleticism on me. Um, because I have the weight on you. So we'll, but we'll figure that out. In the meantime, I'm more interested in who's better at DFS, me or you. You know what I'm saying? No, I, and I love that you get to be a part of this. Betts decided that he didn't want to help our listeners this week win hard-earned cash. He's out, but we have Jason in. And I think it's great timing because DFS, in terms of Arizona and y'all's life, looks new this year. So I wanted to start this podcast off before we get into our picks, before we get into which games we want to stack. And just ask a quick question about so far this year, what has been your favorite part of DFS? And then what would you say? Hey, this is hard. Like, I get it. This is tough. And you can kind of relate to our listeners. Um, my my favorite part of DFS so far has easily been the showdown slates. I, I really enjoy them. The primetime games actually making a lineup. I You know this because we've, we've talked off air. I really enjoy finding the absolute rock bottom basement captain I can, and then getting all my studs in there. It's just a good time. I, I like it. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've had some success with it. Um, that's, that's the easy. I think the hardest thing is just, you know, another layer of, um, you know, obviously we are, we are busy on Sunday morning. I, I feel like when I've made these lineups late, uh, injury switch outs things like that that's that's been the hardest for me is like oh shoot I did I forgot and then and then uh you know I burned that money yeah I think with making lineups there's this dance where it's like I can make a lineup on Thursday or Friday but news changes and there's better plays or on Sunday you just have so many things going on so yeah it's just the slate changes in a week like there's there's good plays and then there's plays where it's like everybody's playing this guy in a tournament, do I fade him or mm -hmm. what do I do? So yeah, there's just there's just a different nuance to DFS that I think our listeners as a whole, like they love hearing that journey. And maybe Andy's win early on in the year kind of skewed things from people's perspective of like, hey, not everybody's winning, you know, the Millie Maker every single week. I but I, I certainly don't expect to win every single week. Uh but I do expect uh that I will win one this year. That's is that should I not have that expectation? Because I'm, no, I'm fully in that belief. Well, maybe the slate that you could take home is the one that's happening next week. So next week we'll have a special edition of this podcast because it's the Thanksgiving Day slate, which for DFS is its own almost holiday in itself. Like it's a real American holiday, but for DFS it is that three-game slate. So Jason, I know you want to be 
over the top on those Lions when they play. But <laughs> there, there's three there's three games. Uh, so next week, our Tuesday podcast will be the Thanksgiving Day slate. And then Friday will be the main slate. So, yeah, it's just it's a fun week for us to kind of look forward to. And then uh, later on, remember, we're going all throughout the playoffs. So, yeah, join us. You can be a part of it at DFSPass.com. You get some of our picks. And, yeah, it's just a great time of the year as things are getting colder to be a part of DFS. But Can I can I give a quick shout-out to the DFS Pass? I don't usually get to talk about it on the main show because we don't do um, you know, a lot of DFS. We, we have our, our DraftKings segment every Friday. Um, but on the main show, we're focused on redraft. We're focused on home leagues, waivers, trades, all that jazz. But I've been playing a lot of DFS. We all have here now that it's actually legal. And it's a, I use the DFS pass all the time, every day. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't checked it out um, or if you're wanting uh, some helpful tips and article form, tools, things like that, the DFS pass is awesome. And Bet's kind of, I don't know if you know this, Jason, he rags on you guys. He thinks that you guys are giving this away for too cheap. It's less than $2 a week through the playoffs, if you realize that. Yeah, I know as the business owner that there are plenty. <laughs> there are, I mean, a lot of places charge more than what we charge every single month. Um, but we are, we've always said, we're DFS for the rest of us. We are not the, um, the we're not going to charge you $1,000 a year ever because that's ridiculous. That's yeah. why. That's yeah. just because it's it's absurd. No, I love it. And a lot of people have gotten to be super profitable in the way they play. But let's get into our cash picks for this week. Straight cash, homie. So we're going to go through what we've kind of found as our consensus of players that we would use in a cash style format. So every Friday, Jason kind of gets to duke it out with Andy and with Mike on the show, kind of a cash format. What would you say so far on this slate for this week, the quarterbacks that stand out to you? And for me, it's kind of the two guys in the same game. Oh, certainly. I mean, obviously, when you've got a game, Kansas City, Dallas, Dak, Mahomes, um, the potential is, I mean, put it this way. When when those games hit, you know, and they don't always, right? This could easily be a trap game. Everyone's overexposed to this game, and the defenses show up more than expected, and yada, yada, yada. But when those games do hit, which happens, you know that the like everyone who wins is going to be um, hardcore in the games that hit 80 points, um, you know, at, in, in real NFL points. So Dak and Mahomes, they certainly they kick off the show. Um, and obviously, you've got to pay up. But my personal favorite, you know I, I have him in tomorrow's lineup, is actually Josh Allen. He's the most expensive, sure. But the Colts are just the doggone perfect matchup because they're good at stopping the run, which the Bills are bad at doing anyways, and they're terrible at stopping the pass, which the Bills are phenomenal at. So I am just really excited. Uh, I, I think the Bills passing game is going to torch. And I think paying up at quarterback, although it's fun to find the cheap guy and to save some money, I think when you're paying up, you're kind of getting that best points per dollar value because obviously quarterbacks score the most. You know, you're hoping for 20 plus points in a cash style format. But you know, with Mahomes and Dak and Allen, 25 points is very real in these games. So each week we try to limit the quarterbacks that we give as advice, mostly because I mean, you could start going way down there and getting cute with some of these 5K quarterbacks, but paying up really does make sense. And we had a listener this past week that said, hey, I've taken your advice in this segment, and the last three weeks I've had the quarterback one, 
the quarterback one and the quarterback one mm. on these three slates. So might as I'll well just pay up. That usually helps you win when you finish with the quarterback one. For sure. I, I'll give two other names before we move on to running back. Jalen Hurts is just is just solid. And I think you brought this up on the main show a lot. Like, if he's bad, he's good. Mm-hmm. And last year in his first start against the Saints, he ran for 106 yards against them. So it's just safe floor if you want to save a little bit of cash. And then on FanDuel specific, I'll say Justin Fields is super cheap at uh, 6.8. So if you wanted to get a little risky, you could do that. But we would say pay up. Any other thoughts about quarterback? No, I, I think those are the main guys. We'll we'll talk about one later uh, towards the end of the show that I think is uh, broken. Like his, his price is just broken. So, uh, but that's that's a teaser for later. Ooh, all right. So at running back this week, the chalk is going to be AJ Dillon. He's six point two on DraftKings. He's seven K on FanDuel, and. I feel like there's this weird obsession in fantasy football and even in DFS. If there's a backup and he's more than a backup running back, but whenever you get a chance to play that running back, like Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard, and they're the guy, it's like everyone jumps on him. So right now in terms of tournaments, like he's going to be 25 plus percent rostered and in cash, we don't really care about roster percentages. So AJ Dillon against Minnesota, is that just like a smash play at 6.2? He's certainly right in the mix with with everyone else. Uh, at six point one is James Conner, who I think, if Kyler is playing against Seattle, who has not been good on the ground and no Chase Edmonds, those two guys seem like the, you know that that six thousand uh, price threshold. Those are the two chalkiest, cashiest uh, picks to me. Yeah, and a little bit below that is a guy who's your start of the week today. It's Miles Gaskin, and like we were going to town on all those stats about how bad the Jets have been. Like, not just bad, like historically the worst fantasy defense against running backs. So, would you, if you had to pick between AJ Dillon or save, I don't know, five hundred dollars and go down to Gaskin? Do you have a preference? Yeah, I do. I'm I'm going with Gaskin, even though I love AJ Dillon and hate Gaskin just as 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 uh, <laughs> fantasy football assets in not general. Not his family, though. Not his, not fa- his family. I'm sure they're all good people. Um, I hope they're all good people. I am not sure with the amount of videos that always come out on NFL players. But um, <laughs> look, it's full PPR, right? Like DraftKings is full PPR, and you're talking about Miles Gaskin, who pretty much every single week is good for four, five, six catches. Um, and A.J. Dillon, while he de- definitely has been involved in the passing game more and more, and now with uh, Aaron Jones out, could do that. If I could save the cash and end up with like a baseline of six receptions, uh, I'd be pretty happy with that. I think based on how people are going to have to build their lineups this week, they're probably going to have to pick one of those six 5K running backs. You could throw James Robinson in that mix at 6.4. But I think the studs this week are CMC and then Dalvin, who has destroyed the Packers in his career. He's averaged 109 total yards, 1.6 touchdowns per game against the Packers. They're at home. So... I love CMC and I struggle when he's on a slate because you know, he's going to be awesome, but you Mm -hmm. have to pay up at 8.9. So where are you at with those two studs? Yeah, I, I, um, went back and forth. I feel like I can't have a cash lineup without one of those two guys because you just don't want to be caught riding dirty. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, they have 30 (laughs) points. And so I didn't pick one of them and I don't win any of the cash games. 
Um, so I went back and forth. I had a hard time building my my main cash lineup this week uh, for the show, but I was able to get CMC in there. Um, I Washington is you know not a matchup that is scary. Christian McCaffrey's so good. He was almost the running back one last week. He did not score a touchdown, and he basically didn't play in the fourth quarter. He, I, I know usually, you know, you reverse time and look when Christian McCaffrey's dominating, he's a 10,000-plus uh, cost player. So at 8,900, yes, he's the most expensive, but he's not that expensive. So I, I would prefer CMC in my lineup. Yeah, I think you probably need one of those two in your lineup. You could spin down at the other position. And then I'll just throw out one more name on FanDuel. Because Joe Mixon's price is the same exact price as it is on DraftKings, so Betts and I bring that up all the time. If someone is the same price on FanDuel, that means they're a relative value because the salaries are kind of wonky. So uh, Mixon's another name to mix in there. I liked DeAndre Swift earlier in the week, but if Jared Goff's going to be out and we're going to get David Blau or Tim Boyle or Dan Campbell run out there, uh, I don't know if we need that. Yeah, and there's there's one other name that I would throw out. I I won't tease this one that the way I tease my quarterback, but at 5500, David Montgomery seems like he's a guy that is going to be involved in the passing game, get a ton of work. The Ravens aren't a scary matchup. They they usually play down to their competition no matter who they're playing. Um, so yeah, I I, I think David Montgomery is. I mean, we're talking about Miles Gaskin at 5.7, 5.55. You kidding me? 55. I'm I'm taking David Montgomery. <laughs> yeah, I. It's weird. The Bears are showing up a lot this week in terms of lineups. Like Fields is a value. Dave Montgomery. We'll talk about Cole Komet in a second. It, it it's just weird that the Bears, a team that we've normally stayed away from, uh, show up. But let's talk about wide receiver. I don't really have to spend much time talking about Devontae Adams because his last two games against the Vikings, he scored. Uh, wait one second. Five touchdowns in those two games. So. Uh, you can pay up with Devontae every single week and we're going to love it. But I think where people have an issue is where to go from there. Like, okay, I know that I could get Diggs or Tyreek or Devontae. So is there anybody's matchup and price kind of matchup for you this week in that, I don't know, five, six K range? Uh, in the, in the five, six K range it is certainly Amari Cooper for me. I mean, I, I, I still think regardless of matchups and, and cornerbacks across the field, CeeDee Lamb has been, I you know, I don't know if you realize, but it's like since week four, um, you have Cooper Cup, wide receiver one, Debo Samuel, wide receiver three. Those, those, you, we have felt that the publicity around those two guys has been unbelievable. But there's, there's Ceedee Lamb, um, in between, who's just been dominating, and now a matchup against Kansas City. I, I, I like that, but the price gap is astounding between him and Amari Cooper. So, Amari Cooper is someone that I, I just can't get myself to build a lineup without him in there just because of the value he represents and when I look at all the guys around him you know I'm like oh well what if I save a little bit of just save a little bit of money over the 6200 and move down and there's there's no one in his tier and I'm like well what if I you know I've got a couple extra hundred dollars let me move up there's just no one in that tier to me who has the um upside that Amari Cooper has against Kansas City yeah and he's your start of the week this week uh it's just Touchdowns are probably going to happen in that game. And when you can get someone that's, you know, $1,500 close to that cheaper than Lamb, I think you're just set up really well. I like T. Higgins a lot. I've mentioned him a lot in cash games because they're not upping his price. Like he's stayed in that low 5K range for a while. He's got an awesome target share and he hasn't scored since week two. So I think he's set up if you just need some dependable 
12, 15 points with the room for even more. I like him there. I like if you want to drop down even further, Cole Beasley is just going to destroy Kenny Moore in the slot. Yeah, so Cole, those are Cole Beasley is awesome. And Jalen Waddell against the Jets, 5.6 thousand. He's, you know, we've we've talked a lot on the main show about these rookie wide receivers and their ability to break out the second half of the year as they get going more and more. Um, we're just, I feel like everyone is waiting for Waddle to have the big broken play. You know, he's got the big play ability and he hasn't really done it. And you don't want to put him in your lineup the week after he does it when he costs more and everyone's excited. You, you want to, you want to get it. And if I'm going to say someone's not going to tackle Jalen Waddle, I'll take the jets, please. <laughs> so if you're making a lineup though, and you put Waddle in, are you basically saying I'm not going to have Gaskin in it? Um, certainly if it's a, you know, I, I feel like I would, I would really be cautious of that in, you know, uh, in a tournament play, um, in the sense that, you know, they both probably won't have great big blow up games, but I do think their floors are somewhat safe. Um, that is something I obviously to consider though. You, you don't really want to like overexpose yourself to the dolphins for sure. Yeah, definitely not. I'll give you two more wide receivers. Brandon Cooks, his salary just stays at 6K. They just don't want to move it. He's the only show in town. I never feel good about Texans, but uh, he has a 30% target share, and you can't really argue when someone is the guy. So if you're asking Brandon Cooks to get, let's see, 2X on his salary, that's 12 points. I mean, 15 points is well within reason. He has eight games with five or more receptions already this year, which is one of the league leaders the matchup is not as good as it looks like when you when you're putting them in your lineup it's like oh Tennessee is super green because they were so bad earlier in the year but even still I think Brandon Cooks is a great value he he almost found his way in my lineup several times and then on FanDuel last one I'll mention here is they didn't move Debo Samuel's salary after Monday night even though he went absolutely bananas you have to watch the practice reports but his is kind of a pricing glitch on FanDuel this week where they just didn't move it so Debo's there, and then tight end, one of my favorite parts of DFS, well, you know this, Jason, is punting tight ends. It's just a fun activity, but can we punt the postman anymore? He's 4.1. It it was really upsetting to me, really upsetting. It was the, usually when I make my cash lineup, I go to defense and tight end first. I want to find the cheapest. I want to, I want to punt those and know how much, you know, cashola I have to spend on the players I like. Um, and I was, I even hit you up. I was like, man, who's the punting tight end this week? Because my man, the postman, Dan Arnold, he's the, you know, I want him around 3000, not 4,100. And, um, yeah, he's not, he's not really a punt anymore. I think, I think that, yeah, I think he's appropriately priced and I'm not sure I want any player ever when they're appropriately priced. Are, are you saying that Dan Arnold's graduated from our, from our little cute, Hey, remember this guy when we came up with this nickname and he was a nobody and he was on the Saints and then he was on the Cardinals and he was on the Panthers. You like he's yeah, that's he's what gone you get so when you far. mess Yeah, I mean that's what you get when you mess with the postman. You get Dan <laughs> Arnold. Uh I'll give you a couple of names. Cole Komet is three point four, and right before the bye, he saw twenty eight percent of Fields' targets. So I think he's a safe play especially against the Ravens who are just giving it up against tight ends. So if you really wanted to punt down there, he's, I like him better than Gerald. Yeah, he's Everett. my favorite. Oh yeah. Gerald Everett scares me. Um, the, the game last week wasn't great. Also, I think he was dealing with a groin injury today at practice. Not sure if that's just a day of rest or not. Uh, Cole Komet is my favorite. 
if I don't have enough cash for Cole Komet, might look Adam Troutman's way. He's getting more involved um, and costs very, very little. But certainly Komet is the one I want when you're talking about that 3000 uh, you know, 3500 tier. You can always play Mark Andrews. He's the tight end four on DraftKings. So at 6K, I don't mind that. We But we prefer to punt the position. And then in tournaments, we want to pay up. And so I'll say this again. FanDuel's pricing is not spaced out enough. So Kelsey at 7,300 is super cheap. Kittle at 6,800. Waller 6,700. Play those tight ends on FanDuel. You can pay up because the salaries are different. But punt and DraftKings. I mean, what... How many points are you expecting from Cole Komet? Um, full PPR, I think he'll get me nine. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. Like he almost three X's on his salary. You're happy. You're saving a ton of money, so you can pay up for the studs. I like it. All right, let's finish off with defense. The chalk this week's going to be the Browns because on FanDuel they're the most expensive defense, but on DraftKings they're only three point one, so they're relatively cheap. They're playing against your boy Tim Boyle. So fire up the Browns for sure. Um, I have enjoyed running the Carolina defense out there week after week after week after week. It's almost always a good thing. The Washington football team does not scare me. Um, so they are a lineup uh, that, that I would be happy to plug in. Perfect. And I'll just say the most common builds this week, if you're just thinking about that, are probably going to be AJ Dillon, one of the stud running backs, Cook or CMC, one of the stud wide receivers, whether that's Diggs or Devonte, uh, so just keep that in mind when you're constructing your roster. That you, we're not telling you to get too cute, but as news changes, those are going to be the most popular plays as we head into the weekend. But let's talk about some games that we want to stack. Stack attack. So, Jason, this segment, I see it on the dock here. It's brought to you by Michael Joseph Glennon, who's kind of a hero. Oh, really? In the DFS podcast. Yeah, because he's bad. And one time I recommended him like a year and a half ago. Well, he's got an enormously long neck. Um, and that is what I that is what I could say about uh, Michael Joseph Glennon. We we call him Mr. Not Safe for Work because when you look at him, it's... Oh, yeah. Like you don't something... want that picture pulled up at work. People for will sure. assume the wrong thing. I realize that we're both at work right now. So um, we hopefully... I um, want them to assume the wrong thing. I mean, we're wild over here. All right, let's go with this first game. This is the one that we're clearly excited about. Everyone's excited about. I also want to kind of maybe go through some scenarios where, hey, what if this game goes under and everyone's running to it and it doesn't? But it's Dallas Cowboys 7-2 and two at the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 6-4. and four. This game is a 56.5 point total. Casey's a 7-point home favorite. We obviously love this game because these teams pass. They move fast. Like, everything about this game says we should be all in on it. And the Dallas side's kind of cheap outside of CD lamb. Like no one's crazy expensive. So what is your take from just like a football perspective on maybe how you'll see this game play out? Yeah. From a football perspective, I think it's really going to come down to the Kansas city defense, whether or not they are able to rise to the occasion. The Dallas Cowboys defense has been very good this year. Um, I'm confident Patrick Mahomes can uh, overcome that. Um, you know, you, we saw him back last week, over 40 points scored, and it was like, oh, okay, everything's okay. Patrick Mahomes is actually still good. Andy Reid is um, a, a great mind. They were going to figure it out. Um, the question is, because it's in Kansas City, if the Kansas City Chiefs defense stifles 
the Dallas Cowboys offense, that's how we have a bad game. And I have a really hard time projecting that. Uh, I I don't see matchup-wise, personnel-wise, how Dallas would just not be able to overcome um, the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And when you have two great quarterbacks, two clutch quarterbacks, people that don't just buckle under the pressure, um, man, I love the fourth quarter. I love the back and forth where you're just passing, you're exchanging who's got the lead, um, or at least, you know, I've got a bigger lead, I've got a smaller lead, bigger lead, smaller lead. That's how I expect this game to happen. I have not looked at the weather. It's in Kansas City. That would be the only other um, factor. I'll look that up unless you know off the top of your head if there's any problems there. I don't oh. right now. Currently 56 degrees and clear. 16 mile an hour winds. That's a little a little more than than we want, but that's really in, until you're over 20. Uh, it shouldn't affect things much. What's crazy about this is every week we're begging a team to keep up with. Like last week, we we're like, please, Falcons, keep up with the Cowboys. Make it interesting. Obviously, that didn't work. And then whoever the Chiefs play, we're asking the same thing for DFS. We're saying, can you keep pace? So it's kind of this back and forth bonanza environment. But hey, Dallas, they're the most efficient offense in the league. Number one in yards per play. Number one in points per drive. And then we know what Kansas City can do with Patrick Mahomes. So Really, you pick the game script and you kind of run with it. If there is a piece that I think will go super low rostered, it's Ezekiel Elliott. Right now, in our projections, he's at 5% in tournaments, and you know that he has two touchdown upside. So I would just say, if that's something to keep in mind, if you're going to go, let's say, Mahomes and Tyreek, you're stacking it that way. And instead of running him back with a pass catcher, which I think Cooper and Lamb are better plays, if you want to get a little contrarian, Pick Zeke, and you'll kind of have less roster percentages. Yeah, I mean, I, I I see the end of the dock here where we've got our Vegas pick, and we've both picked Dallas to cover. Um, if the game was in Dallas, I would I would pick Dallas to win outright. I think they're the better team. If Dallas actually goes in there and wins this game because they're the better team, Zeke is not having a bad game. Zeke is not, you know what I mean? Like, they're not winning without Zeke having a touchdown and a ton of yards, and um I see that in a very possible range of outcomes. Yeah, Zeke and Lamb, their salaries just skyrocketed this past week. Like Zeke went up $700. So that's kind of the part of the puzzle why I think he's coming in so low is people don't want to pay up for that, especially when they saw like, hey, well, some weeks he goes 15 for 50 and scores a touchdown. And that's not enough. So my preferred way in this game is looking at Mahomes and saying, okay, I'm going to pick Hill or I'm going to pick Kelsey, and especially on FanDuel. I would want to play those two on FanDuel. And then just simply saying on the other side, between Cooper and Elliott, who am I going to run it back with? So any preference for you? Um, no, I mean, I, I think the price on Cooper is just too outstanding to not uh, take advantage of that. So he would be my preference, at least on the DraftKings side. Um, but I, I agree with uh, what you're saying strategy-wise. And if you wanted to stack with Dak... There's a couple of cheap pieces like Gallup is super cheap. Schultz is super cheap. Yes, if you want Dal to play those guys. Dalton Schultz, the matchup is phenomenal. And he has obviously been disappointing. Um, you know, he had that long stretch and Gallup is back. And so there's a lot of fear there uh, that Dalton Schultz will just fall apart. But I feel like it's it's predominantly fear based. It's You know what I mean? It's like there's nothing we've seen um, on the field to make me think that Dalton Schultz shouldn't be able to do what he's done many times this year against a good matchup uh, for tight ends in the Chiefs. 
Yeah. And just realize these two quarterbacks probably will be among the most popular. So if you're building your lineups, adding somebody like Schultz gets you a little different in how you're doing your roster constructions. But you and I, yeah, we have the same Vegas pick. And I think, I think that might be a common theme here that we're, we're kind Spoiler. of. Spoiler. <sighs> All right. Next, next game. It is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Bengals are one and a half point road favorites. That line kind of surprised me because I think these teams have been pretty even for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it's a 50 total. So just in terms of those two teams, do you feel like that line's maybe a little off? So I I did think that that line was a little off. I was surprised that the Bengals uh, were favored. As I dug deeper into this game, because uh, originally I was like, "Oh, I'm t I'll take the I'll take the Raiders. Um, I'm I'm going to take the Raiders, uh, and I'll take the points." And the more that I looked at kind of what's happened, I I honestly think that Henry Ruggs losing Henry Ruggs is a is a real problem for this Raiders offense. Uh, the last two weeks against the New York Giants and the Kansas City Chiefs, teams that you think are hey those are really good matchups, they put up 16 points and 14 points in those games. So I'm a little worried with, um, you know, coming off of the bye week, these Ra the Raiders just haven't been that good. Um, so that is why I ended up actually picking the, uh, the Bengals here. And I do worry about the offensive side of the ball, which uh, for the Raiders uh, in this game a little bit, like I hope they just freaking give 15 targets to Darren Waller and move the ball more. Um, but they seem to be struggling right now for an identity. That's how I feel the last couple of weeks. I, I, I feel the same way. And there's a lot of pass to this game just hitting the under. I mean, like from a perspective of just saying, what do we want for DFS? Like, okay, well, we love some of the pass catchers. Chase Higgins is probably going to be the most popular wide receiver. We want Waller to get funneled with targets. But Cincinnati, like their pass rate over expectations jumped recently. But they kind of like downshift. When they like get a lead, they just kind of sit on it. So I think Joe Mixon's a sneaky play in this game. If you just said, hey, I don't really want to play a couple players. Like, I don't want to fully stack this game. If you said, I just want to Mixon and maybe Waller or just Mixon and get out of here, I don't think you're crazy. Yeah, Mixon is a great play. The Raiders have been bad against the run. They've been pretty good against the pass. So that's kind of their one, um, you know, they, I, I think they're hoping that they can slow down Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Um, I don't know if it's possible to slow down Jamar Chase. He's just, you know what I mean? Like, I already ate my uh, crow on Jamar Chase coming in. I was a, with you. A rookie year, fifth round draft pick. That's what he has to do to return value is unimaginable. Well, he has done the unimaginable, and I no longer need to imagine it because I've seen it. Uh, so I'm not going to doubt Jamar Chase ever again, and and the price for T. Higgins is so good that I actually really, I, I really like him in the slate. Not because I think he's going to dominate, but because I think the target volume and talent for the price you're getting is is a, it's just a pretty sweet deal. I know you like Burrow this week. He's your start of the week. I like this passing game. The problem is that they're more efficient than like volume based. Like I last year we got Burrow getting what, like 40 attempts a game. Now like his TD rates up, but they're not passing it. Like that's why Higgins really hasn't fully gotten there in a tournament. So for me, if you wanted to go Burrow chase and then you and I both like CJ Uzama, like yes. we almost 
talk to the people about CJ. Yeah, uh, Uzama is, I think, a really sneaky play. We've we've seen so he's one of those guys where, um, you know, when I'm building my my cash game lineup, I didn't put him in because he's not a very reliable guy. Like our consistency metric, he's a D. Uh, you know, he's um, he's been inside the top twelve, which is not hard for a tight end to do. You know what I mean? Catch a touchdown, you're in the top twelve. He's been in there two times on the course of the season. Two so times. He's not, two times. not someone you can rely on. Oh, except both times he was the tight end one, scoring 24 and 22 and a half points, and that's in half PPR and dominating. So you know that's within his range of outcomes. And uh, goodness, the, the matchup here against the Raiders, they've not been able to stop tight ends at all. They're, 33rd, they're the 31st best defense against tight end so yeah I mean that's part of why I like Burrow is because I think that the where the touchdown goes it could be Joe Mixon through the air it could obviously be Chase it could be Uzama I'm not I'm not 100% sure but I know they all go to Burrow for sure I think for me so Burrow and Mixon have had like a ton of negative correlation like if it's a big Mixon game it wasn't a big Burrow game so if I'm just going to stack this game I'm either going Burrow, two pass catchers, and then Waller on the other side, uh, maybe Hunter Renfro, or uh, you're basically saying this is Mixon, and I'm probably just going to get out of here. Like I just think there's a lot that could go wrong, and if you look at Cincinnati's neutral pace, it's 30th in the league. Like, What does Zach Taylor want to do? He wants to be efficient. He wants to run the ball and kind of make sure that Burrow doesn't make any mistakes. So yeah, I'm with you. I think Cincinnati covers on the road as a favorite and yeah, that's where I'm at with this game. The next game though, I think there's so many pieces that this is the game. I know the Dallas Kansas city game is the one that has the highest total. I think if you get this game, right, you can win a GPP it's green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings and the Packers are two point road favorites, 49 and a half point total. Minnesota's flopped at home. I checked it out. Their last three, this is what they put up at home. Jason okay. seven, 19, and 16 points. Okay. That's bad, r- bad, and really bad. The The only game they won was against the Lions in those three. Like, it's it's not good, but they actually come out to play. And last year, they had some huge games against the Packers. So, how are you reading this game? Yeah, I, I don't know that I agree with you in the sense that uh, that this is going to be the one where it's the barn burner. This is why that, that first game, that Kansas City Chiefs, uh, against Dallas is great because this is one of the games where you uh you know you expect some potential for bigger things and I look at what's happened for the Green Bay Packers defense the last three weeks and I question obviously it was a cold snowy game first game back for Russell Wilson um and maybe that is maybe it was all Russell Wilson's doing but the Seahawks scored zero points Russell Wilson was shut down. The week prior was Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs scored seven points. The week prior was the Arizona Cardinals, and they scored 21, which now I feel like that's what we're hoping for from Minnesota. But if Minnesota scores 21, this isn't going to be the barn burner. You know, I want I want 30 points on both sides of the ball in a game uh, to take down a tournament. So, it's really a question to me of whether or not the Green Bay Packers defense over the last month is real or if that's just been kind of the the luck of the draw getting uh the the timing of Russell Wilson and the even the timing of Patrick Mahomes he was on a slump and there was the 
the cover two shell going around and all that with the ways to beat Pat. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I worry about, I, I, like I have the Vikings in this game. Um, I think they're a well-coached team. They need this victory. They're at home. And I'm not sure if the Aaron Rodgers we saw last week, which I don't feel like was that great, is still kind of recovering from COVID or not. So there's there's ways in which the Minnesota Vikings are um, really, really good here at home. But you combine the Green Bay Packers defense with what you just brought up with how the Vikings have been at home. And I love Dalvin Cook, but I, I do worry. Yeah, I think for me, the part, I'm just thinking of the field, thinking of that mass group of people that I'm playing with. And they look at this game and they say, A.J. Dillon, most popular running back. They look at Devontae Adams, probably top five most popular wide receiver. They look at Dalvin Cook in a smash spot. And there's some combination of this game, whether the game hits over 50 or not, that I mean, A.J. Dillon in a, in a cash, we said earlier, play him, do it. Yeah. But is he going to give you 30 points? I, I just, I feel like that's a lot to ask from him, even though, you know, Minnesota is allowing the most expected points per rush attempt. So those are the, the kind of questions I'm asking is, is this a Devonta Adams, like goes through the roof game? And I brought this stat up. Listeners probably hate me for it, but Rogers and Adams have yet to combine for 60 DraftKings points. You need that combination to win a GPP. So is this a week where you say, I'm going to play Rodgers and Adams and the whole field's playing Dylan? That, that's the question yeah, I have. It, it might be in the sense that the Vikings, over the course of the year, half, half PPR scoring, um, they're, they're 26th. They're giving up 32.2 half PPR points to wide receivers. And over the last six weeks, they're 31.4. So it's been a trend that has continued. They haven't been able to really shut down wide receivers. Devontae Adams has smashed them. So I do like Devontae Adams in this game. I think where my worry comes in is whether or not Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, will they be able to get it going or not? Because if they can get it going, then the, the sky's the limit. Otherwise, you're kind of capped for, okay, we got to leave. We run it out with Dylan, um, you know, and, and spread the fantasy points around. I don't want, I don't want that. I want them all going to, I want them all going to the moon. For sure. So Dylan Cook and Adams are going to be the most popular I think if you really want to get contrarian, it is Cousins or Jefferson, Cousins and Thielen. It's not the highest probability outcome, but you've seen when those players do go off, they can change a slate. And honestly, Adam Thielen, no one likes playing him. Like he's always under 5% in our projections and his price is fine on DraftKings. Like he's a PPR guy. So if you wanted to do that, you could totally go there. But yeah, I see Minnesota at home. I feel like they've had a lot of like, rough games like just bad beats where they've lost the one score ones so i like them to uh to cover at home yeah they they certainly have had some of the the most wacky finishes where they should have won and didn't i have talked myself into green bay through the course of this show <laughs> i have pivoted i'm taking green bay minus two all right let's go to one more game before we battle it out it's the indianapolis colts five and five at the buffalo bills who are six and three is this going to be a steamroll? Like, is this going to be one of those games where they put up 35, 40 points? Um, yes. Yes. The Bills, the Bills will put up 35, 40 points. I, I do think in this game, they are their implied team total is 28.8 points. I would take the over on that. I think they are going to have an awesome day against the Indianapolis Colts, who 
throughout the course of the season have been really, really bad at the, the passing game. I mean, you're talking about uh, on the course of the season, they're ranked 28th against quarterbacks, 28th against wide receivers, 27th against tight ends. But, oh, in the last six weeks, 27th against quarterbacks, 27th against wide receivers, 30th against tight end. is not getting any better. And now they've got to go face the Bills and their passing attack. I, I really am confident in the Bills. The question to me is, can Jonathan Taylor, can Michael Pittman, can Carson Wentz, can they play ball? Uh, you know, you said, is it going to be a steamroll? That I'm not sure. I'm sure the Bills are going to score a lot. I'm just not sure if the Colts, who, you know, their offense is – been clicking more and more over the second half of uh, what season has been played so far. The Bills defense is just so good, and it's hard for me to rely on Carson <laughs> Wentz against it. But this one, to me, has the potential. Like, if Carson Wentz, I don't know. Maybe it takes a, a lucky broken play or two, but if the if the Colts can score and try to keep up, this one I love. The Bills have allowed one passing touchdown since week six. Like, let's let's just, like, behold how incredibly good they've been. And I think the question you're asking is the perfect one. We love the Bills. We're going to be playing them. We're going to be playing Josh Allen stacks. So if we went Allen plus Diggs plus Beasley or Allen, Diggs, Dawson Knox, whatever you want to do, who are you bringing it back with on the Colts side? Like, if you had to put in your chip somewhere, because Jonathan Taylor's been awesome, he's not going to be popular this week because people see the matchup. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, it's it's also hard to rely on the running back. If you think the other team's going to be scoring 35, 40 right. points, um, that's where maybe you look at uh, Pity City and put in uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Um, it's, it's it, That is really, really difficult to say, okay, we're going to stack both sides um, to to want one of the sides of because the player you want is Jonathan Taylor, but he's so expensive and the matchup is bad. Um, right. I I think he can overcome it because he's hyper talented. Um, but when we say the matchup is bad, I mean you're talking about the Bills on the course of the season. They're number one against quarterbacks, number one against running backs, number one against wide receivers, top five against tight ends. They're just you just there. It's unfair. Yeah, when somebody's priced up and Jonathan Taylor's price has kind of kept climbing up. We usually say like there's a point where they're too expensive to be able to pay off. So yeah, Jonathan Taylor in a tournament, you you have to have 25 points. You you can't have Jonathan Taylor in a tournament get you 15. Uh, like maybe in a redraft, you might be okay with it. You need 25 plus points. So yeah. I will point out our boy Pity City against this same team in the playoffs last year. He showed out. He was running all those drag routes over and over again, mm -hmm. and uh, and then had some yak. So I, that's what I would do. But still like. This is a game where I might just play three Bills and not even run it back with a Colt. I just yeah. I just think this is an easy one. So I'll take Buffalo minus seven. I like it. All right, let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. So, Jason, this is where Betts and I, we battle it out. We give a couple different categories for the listeners. And really, this is a chance for them to hear different plays, maybe some guys that we hadn't even talked about. So I know you teased earlier the quarterback mm -hmm. under 6K. Um, I wrote him up as a cash play, but I'm a little scared to so talk me into it. Cam Newton is $5,100 on DraftKings. Um, Cam Newton uh, is, first of all, we know 
he's been great for fantasy pretty much his entire fantasy career. Last year with the Patriots, he was terrible. He looked bad as a quarterback. He had no weapons. He was still good for fantasy. Last week, he wasn't even the starter, has two touchdowns. Uh, Cam Newton is now playing against Washington, 30th ranked against quarterbacks, so you know that they're going to be able to be beatable. I mean, you're talking about he's priced behind Zach Wilson, uh, who's obviously not playing, and also, if he was, is terrible. Uh, he's he's priced behind Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Simeon, all the Trevors um, that I can find. So, to me, it's one of those, at that price, I think Cam has at least two touchdowns, probably has 40 rushing yards. He's got, um, you know, weapons to throw the ball to galore. DJ Moore can break something off against Washington. Christian McCaffrey, obviously. So I, I, I just really like the price. You know, I'm paying in my main cash lineup 8100 for Josh Allen, and I fully expect Josh Allen to outscore Cam Newton, but 3000 that is a gap that can move me up to another tier at at some other position. All right, I'm going to go with Derek Carr. We kind of didn't mention him too much in that game, but at 5,900, it's pretty cheap for what he can do. He has third most passing yards. Cincinnati's defense is 27th in pass DVOA. The dude still, he still leads the league in 20-plus yard passing plays. So I'm not saying it's pretty, but in terms of cheap and upside and maybe getting that 300-yard bonus at home, I think you can get there at Derek Carr. So basically it's Derek Carr versus Cam Newton. But at running back, I need you to give me a cash game running back and they can't be named Dalvin Cook or CMC. And for this week, I'll say no A.J. Dillon. Sure, I'm going to go e even cheaper. I, I actually like your option the best. Um, but if you want to save some money in a cash lineup, David Montgomery feels safe. I feel like his floor is good because he's talented. He's getting the workload. There was questions. Oh, what about Khalil Herbert? He came back before the bye week, before people thought he was going to get back from injury, and he got the workload. Um, he's looked good when healthy this season. Um, at 5500 I I think he's just mispriced. No, I, I'm totally with you for that type of workload. I'm going to go with James Conner, your boy, the Arizona Cardinals. It's just it's a matchup thing, and it's a workload thing. Like He was just on the field the whole time at 6.1. I think you can play him in cash. I also kind of hesitate because A.J. Dillon's 6.2, so he's kind of in that same zone. But I think he's a great pivot, and I think you could do worse uh, than James Conner. But what about a cheapie? Give me a cheap wide receiver that you're saying he can give me some PPR points. We just talked about the 35, 40 points the Bills have the potential to put up. I'm taking Cole Beasley, sub 5,000, 4,800. Um, so long as he's back from the, the rib injury that kind of limited him last week, he doesn't quite have the floor that he has had in it, last year when he was you know super hyper targeted obviously Emmanuel Sanders um has come in but the matchup is great and his ceiling is still what it always has been and in full PPR to get Cole Beasley in a matchup where I'm expecting th over 30 points from the Bills I I can't imagine Cole Beasley's uninvolved um I love him at sub 5000 I I love his matchup Kenny Moore is just He's he's allowed the most targets. He's been targeted the most, most slot uh, wide receiver yards he's allowed. Like They're just going to pummel the middle of the field over and over and over again. So love that pick. I realized with my picks, I didn't. I did these a couple days ago. I have starts of the week in almost all my picks. Like Rashad Bateman is Andy's pick, who's mine at 4.5. Hollywood mispractice. 
Hopefully Lamar can get his immune system right and he can play in this game. But Bateman's seen eight targets in both the last two games, and now, he's just going to be good. I I love I could not build a lineup without Rashad Bateman in it. When I was looking, it, he was at at forty five hundred irreplaceable. No no one could touch him. But he also did miss practice. So Marquise no! Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, and um, it was weird because it was listed from from the tweet that I saw. I guess I didn't go look at the official practice report, but it was, I believe, a five for Marquise Brown, illness for uh, Lamar, and Bateman was nothing. He just wasn't in practice. He, I don't know. Day off. Um, veterans day rest for the rookie. Um, yeah, so at, at, I, I like that pick. Um, too early to tell if there's any actual worry there. Uh, at tight end, I've brought it up. We talked about him already, but Cole Komet for the Bears. The Ravens are terrible against tight end. Uh, it looks like Allen Robinson's not going to play. Uh, his value on DraftKings is awesome. So I I think that uh, he is my favorite. You know, he's I believe it's uh, been a month since he has had fewer than six targets. Um, and his last game, I think he was over 80 yards. So to get a, a, a cheapie, uh, I'm a big fan. Thirty four hundred on DraftKings. Yeah, and Jimmy Grandpoo is is done. He's not he's not around. So it's just commit. I'll go with Adam Troutman. Three point three. His usage has continued to rise, and Philadelphia is the worst against fantasy tight ends. They are really really bad. As in, look back at their game logs the last couple weeks. They've basically been giving up top ten performances every single week. So Adam Troutman. If you want to go down even further at three point three, it's not bad. All right, last section here. Give me a sneaky DST. Mine's gross, so you can vomit if you want, but you go first. I think I think people might – I mean, when we're saying sneaky, uh, mine's 2,300, so is yours. We're talking bottom of the barrel here, and I, I outlaid how I think things could go wrong for the Vikings-Packers pack, game. If it goes wrong, if Aaron Rodgers is not fully back from uh, COVID and, and playing to his pre-COVID level without Aaron Jones at home. I'm taking the Vikings at 2,300. If you look at, you know, the points per game that they've scored versus all the teams around them uh, at that level, then they are easily the best price per dollar. Obviously, the reason they're so low is the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and, uh, you know, all, all the, the, the worry there. But I think there is some reality where the Packers offense struggles more than they think without Aaron Jones and with uh, recovering Aaron Rodgers. And that's what we're trying to do with these DSTs. We're trying to flip the script of what people might do in a tournament. What's the most likely outcome? Because defensive scoring is so fluky anyways, week to week. I'm going to go with the JETS Jets. I know they're bad. We trashed them just a second ago when we talked about Miles Gaskin. But if there's one thing that Miami's really bad at, it's protecting their quarterback. Like their offensive line is the worst in the league. Jets are 18th in terms of adjusted sack rate. I know it's not great, but this team, you remember, they beat the Titans at home because of their pass rush. Ryan Tannehill was sacked five times that game. So there is a path where Tua and the Dolphins don't get things going on the road and the Jets do it. So they're a crazy tournament play, super cheap. But I want to finish things off, Jason. I got some questions for you. Okay, let's get into the mailbag. 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 That's, that's a different mailbag drop. You're not used to, are you? I am not used to that. That was soup's weird. Were you like really preparing yourself? You thought you were going to do the drop? Oh, I still did. Oh, nice. All right. So you can send your questions to me at Kyle underscore Borg or normally bets at the Fantasy PT. And this first one is perfect timing because it's about Cam Newton. 
And Seb writes in, he said, hey, Kyle and Big Shimmy, Booty Scoot and Cam Newton is dummy cheap, like Jason mentioned. Is it worth running him solo in tournaments? And Jason, I don't know this, but in DFS, when you play a quarterback by themselves, we call it playing them naked. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that, but I mean, if someone is going to be played naked as someone with a booty. See what I did there? I'm a professional here. So with Cam, are you stacking him with anyone? Like, would you, if you're playing Cam outside of a cash environment, would you say just Cam and CMC? I was going to say the the stack is Christian McCaffrey. The the 10 receptions that are possible and uh, two passing touchdowns. You know, it's like one of those things where um, <laughs> Cam can vulture CMC's rushing touchdowns, but CMC can uh, vulture from the 50-yard line a, a DJ Moore touchdown. So I think Cam and CMC is a nice you're, – you're saving all that money at quarterback. It allows you to put CMC in your lineup. So let me give you an example. I kind of did the math earlier. Let's say you did Cam and then you put in CMC. All right. So that's where you're kind of saving. Would Mm -hmm. you rather have Cam and CMC or Mahomes and David Montgomery? They're very similar in terms of combined salary. All four players are good picks. And if I had to pick a combo, it would definitely be Cam and CMC over uh, Mahomes and Montgomery. And that's just the question you have to ask yourself is in a tournament, what combination do I like? And what's their combined ceiling? So for Cam and CMC, like, yeah, if he throws one to him, they both rush in a touchdown, like that that combo could totally get there. All right, next one's from Kendall Lowe at DaddyMoosh14 on Twitter. He said, do you guys ever think in a mobile and a weakness is DFS more fun than regular fantasy? I'll let you answer that one first. Um, I, I, I think that in a moment of strength. Um, I think that... Um, like I said earlier, when you said what's been my kind of favorite part, I just love the primetime game slates, the, uh, you know, the, the single game. And oftentimes on Monday or Thursday, it is more fun because I've got all the players in this game. You know what I mean? I might not even have a single player in my main league of record that's in this game. So in that sense, when you're watching the game, um, oftentimes the, the, the DFS play is more fun and you have huge winning potential. So that's going to spice it up. You're having a good week. You're just needing that. Who was it earlier this year? I was so close to actually hitting on the Millie. Oh, I needed, I needed, uh, Gabe Davis. Oh man. If Gabe Davis caught a touchdown, I would have gone to number one and he was targeted in the end zone. I, this was at the very end of the game. It was outstanding emotionally. Uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, obviously, in the moments of strength, when you're winning, DFS can be far more fun. When you get exposure to players that, you know, you have no business doing, like, that's what's fun. I know you mentioned earlier how you construct your shutdown lineups. Like, you want that $200 player, that $1,000 player, like Preston Williams. Wasn't that like two weeks ago? <laughs> yes. You were like, I'm, I'm putting him in my yeah, captain. He was my captain. Oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> it does not always work out. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but... Um, it allows you to get a lot of other players and man, when, if, if, if those, if that cheap one hits, if you can pick a good cheap one, you can't just go randomly, but if there's reason for, uh, someone that is far underpriced, uh, to be your captain, I'm in. 
And what's also fun, a lot of times we don't care about other people's fantasy leagues, like at all. Like, hey, I'm not in your league. I don't understand, you know, if someone's talking about it. But you can celebrate people's wins, I think, better in DFS. So, like, when Andy won, like, we all won. You definitely won. I had, well, yeah, he, he, well, because I helped make the lineup. But, um, no, that was a blast. And I, what's funny is that day I lost Christian McCaffrey, who was my main guy in league of record. And this was what week two week, week three, maybe. Um, and so this is early on the season. My team is destroyed. I'm so upset. I literally was over at Andy's watching the game. I left, I, I left, he got injured right away. I'm like, I went home so upset. And by the end of that game, tracking along with Andy's team, Oh brother, I was having a blast for sure. Yeah. And, you guys, listeners, have gotten to track with us, too, about best ball. I mean, Betts and I were in first place in the Big Dog Tournament for weeks and weeks and weeks, like putting up the largest score, and then Derek Henry went down. But we still get people to message us like, hey, I care about what happens with you guys. So that is a fun part about DFS, and for us, DFS, for the rest of us, that everyone kind of gets involved. But, Jason, this is kind of changing gears. I have a couple questions left. This is from Justin Heck. He says, what is Jason's strategy for when he has multiple large eating get-togethers in one day our family sometimes has three feasts on thanksgiving yeah i'll I'll give you three pro tips uh tip number one is politics okay you're gonna need to do your best to space these out have one of them early have one of them late uh do do your best work to negotiate with them on what what time is dinner oh you really you think it should be that late um that's tip one tip two gas x okay you're gonna bloat you got a pre-gas x Get the extra strength, take two of them right before that first meal. You're going to fit more. And obviously, step three, this one is just common to everyone. You're not having breakfast that morning. You've got to skip the breakfast. you got to go in. You might not want dinner the night before. You know, uh, fast to feast is what I would call that. Do you have to, like, pre-service your toilets beforehand as well? Oh, man, I got top-of-the-line toilets. You kidding me? They could take everything I got. I have used your toilet before. It actually changed my life. Yeah, it's pretty special. All right, two more. This one's from Lathan. How do you prioritize your flex player? I find myself struggling with what to do when I've got 3K or less remaining. Is it okay to roll with two tight ends in a lineup? It feels rare a 3K lineup, a 3K wide receiver is even worth it. So when you're constructing your cash lineup, Jason, is flex the last thing you do? Um, sometimes it really does depend on the week because if there is a slate, usually what happens for me is if there is a good, uh, 3,500 to $4,500 backup running back who is now the featured guy, I can pretty much usually pencil them into that flex spot. Uh, I can, I can relate to Lathan here in the sense that one, if you, if you leave it for last, and you're looking at all the $3,000 guys, and that's how you want to build your lineup, and you just have to pick one. Tight ends, I don't want to roll with two tight ends. Like That's not usually what I try to do, but I I will say that when you get to the basement of 3,000, your odds of a touchdown, which is really you know what's going to – I doubt you're getting someone over here with nine targets and eight receptions at, at the $3,000 range. You're looking for someone to fall in the end zone, Tight end probably has more options there to get that um, to get that touchdown. You only really want to punt one position per week. Like if you start punting off, you know, let's say this week you're saying I'm going to do Cole Komet, and then I'm going to find some three thousand dollar wide receiver, 
And then like once you start going down that road, you might have CMC, Devontae, and Cook in your lineup. And then you realize like I might get 10 points combined from three dudes. So I think the better strategy instead of pigeonholing yourself and saying, who do I put in my flex is look at your whole lineup and say, okay, let's say I, instead of CMC, I save $700 and I get down to Dalvin cook, or instead of Dalvin cook, I go down just a little bit more to find someone else. You you know this firsthand because it's usually you and I that are conversing about this, but you know, my process, I, I make a lineup and then, you know, you and I will talk about it and then we'll toy, we'll play with it. We'll take, okay, well, what if we do this? What if we do that? But it's after I've officially made a lineup, you know what I mean? Like I'm done. It's entered. Then I'll go back and toy with it. And I feel like every single week without fail, I improve what I originally set. If you go back after you make your lineup and keep looking at where you're weak and say, man, I could see how it can go wrong here, but where can I, where can I shift things around to improve that? Um, you can, you could squeeze a little bit more juice out of your lineups. And we always talk about have a pool of players. Like I love Devonte Adams. I want to play him, but I need to be able to say, who are the other guys? If I drop down to Stefan Diggs in my lineup, how would that look? So to have a pool of players, be willing to shift and, and to mix it up. But last question, this one's from Taru. Hey guys, real life overtook the past few weeks and I've been off DFS for a couple of weeks. I'm ready to jump back in. But is taking breaks like this good for the overall process, or is it better to dredge along even if you don't feel like it? This is a good question. I know uh, in the past for just redraft um, home leagues, I used to always tell people when you're out of it, if your team is out of the playoffs, or you know you're in the playoff, the playoffs, and you lose, then you stop paying attention. I tell people to stop. Don't do that. You are going to go into next year not realizing what happened the last four, five, six weeks of the NFL season. It makes a huge difference. Pay attention. But when I'm doing that, it is because we're still enjoying football. It's like, oh, pay attention. Have fun. Using the words dredge through it and <laughs> real life overtaking it, it is absolutely probably good for you um, to take the break dredging through this is not you don't tilt your way to success you might need a breath turn around I know that there are some successful DFS players who argue that you do not need to watch one second of football or know anything about football to actually succeed at DFS it's all analytics um, I I couldn't imagine taking that approach but my point in that is that if you need to take a break and come back you can see what the data what happened you're not going to be now unable to win when you would have been able to win. Take the breaks and the breaths you need and come back enjoying it. I do find genuinely with DFS, I have had so much more success when I am enjoying building a lineup um, than when I'm dredging through it. Now, my, this is my job. I, I have to do it every week. When I'm burning out, I don't make as good a lineup for sure. So I would say take the break. Take a break. Damn. Also, like... <laughs> Life happens, and I think that's totally okay. I've had a couple weekends where, you know, I was gone with, you know, a family trip. I had my brother's bachelor weekend, and it's like I could have stressed making lineups that weekend, or I could have just been super present with my family or present, and it's totally okay. This is your money, too, so I'd rather not flush it down the toilet when it doesn't have my attention. Yeah, and that's that's one of the beauties of DFS, right? It's like, okay, an injury isn't going to affect you long term. A, a, a break or some wedding you got to go to, that's... That doesn't affect you. You don't get a loss. Just don't play. Right. So for me, I just know going into a busy weekend, I'm just going to play 
a little less lineups. I might, you know, instead of putting in a bigger bankroll, fewer um, lineups, Kyle. Gonna... You're not playing less lineups. Come on. Don't you, worry, I was in English. You are learning grammar from me. Hey, here's something I'll say to the world on this podcast and this podcast only. Kyle the Borgogan is the author. No. Is no. the author of this year's Boom Boom Kicker. I am just oh the puppet. That's right. Only the people who made it to the end of the Jason Moore DFS special get to know that truth and build Kyle up in your minds because I know the excellent work that I am doing, and it's all Kyle. I like being in the background. I just oh, I like, love you being in the background. But I, I, I also like, like exposing you here. I'll take it for a listener that goes all the way through, but you know what's going to happen is then they're going to pass it on on Twitter and whatever else. But Those things can die. I'll deny it in public. Okay, yeah, just say that somebody else was there in the yeah, studio. I would never say that. You guys can go to ballersdfs.com if you want to play with us on DraftKings. Last week, I actually put this line up here so Jason could see how beautiful it was. The Battle the Borg 2 winner had a fire lineup. And I'm only bringing this up, Jason, because I won this this uh, tournament oh uh, you took down your own tournament this, see look that's not only can you write wonderful prose um and wonderful verses you can take you can give actual advice and prove that you know what you're talking about that 158 fantasy points last week well done so this week i might open up a contest that is specifically jason specific so it's gonna be called battle the big shimmy i'll open that up in our DraftKings league you can try to battle us together and enter into our Week 11 contest. So go to ballersdfs.com and enter into our DraftKings League. Jason, thanks for getting to hang out with me, buddy. Thanks Kyle, for getting to... I appreciate you. It's been a blast. It's been my honor. And I hope to never be back on this show ever again. <laughs> Have a good week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.